Welcome to Trailblazing Entrepreneurs, the podcast series from Salesforce App Exchange. In our podcast series, we chat to world-class entrepreneurs and founders and explore their journey as well as share practical insight to build successful businesses. I'm your host, Sandra Peignot, Director ISV Industry Business at Salesforce, and in today's episode, I'm joined by Tiffany Stanar, founder and CEO of Stimulus, as well as a TV, radio host and producer and a technology influencer. Stimulus is a relationship intelligence software provider based in Philadelphia, which is where Tiffany joined us from today. Hey, Tiffany, it's good to have you with us today. How are you? Good. I'm so happy to be here. You have a background in media and entertainment. And what I mean background, I mean, this is serious experience. I mean, I've checked your social media feed and you work with the likes of DJ Khaled and a few others and you've hosted quite a long list of radio and TV programs. So it's quite an achievement. So tell me more about it. <laughs> you went all the way back to see the DJ Khaled interview because I think that was like 2016 or 17. Um, so yes, I kind of fell into media and TV. Um, my first business, Prestige Concepts, we did branding and marketing and business development and, and vendor management for from small to large companies. And a couple of my clients were in entertainment. So they worked at radio stations. They were building their brands. They did TV. Um, so I started working with one particular radio station and then they became, you know, clients. And then as I was working with them, they said, Hey, would you like to co-host a show? And then that became consistent. And then they were asked, Hey, would you like to produce a show? Then that became consistent. It, I really kind of fell into it. And then what I learned when I was trying to get new customers, everyone loves free press. I don't care if you're a small company, a large company, even a large company that can pay for press. They love free press. So I was able to really meet a lot of potential customers saying, hey, in addition to doing marketing and other things for you, I can also get you on a show or a TV show or a radio show um, to help increase your brand, whether you're trying to build your personal brand or you're trying to build your company brand. So I ended up kind of falling into doing it regularly. And then that led into doing some, some work with NBC. I did some work with Fox 29, where I hosted a couple of different technology segments and produced a couple of technology segments and then got a lot of our customers on those segments as well. So it was something that was like a side passion that kind of turned into a little bit more. So what is the most famous person you've met then? I've met a lot of folks. Um, as you mentioned, DJ Khaled was a great interview when they were doing the, the concerts uh, regularly in Philadelphia. Kevin Hart, who you know, is from Philadelphia. So I've interviewed him multiple times. Dr. Meyer Angelou, I actually interviewed her a few months before she passed away. So I met a lot of amazing people. I'm still, I still didn't get to, you know, former President Obama, but he's on our list. <laughs> he's on your list. He's on the That's list. So, you know, thinking about your background and, you know, some of the experience you just talked about, how this sort of impact, how you approach entrepreneurship and your entrepreneurial journey? Yes, I learned how to utilize your resources in order to, to meet the people you're trying to meet. So in doing work within media, if I wanted to go to a conference for free because I couldn't afford it as an entrepreneur, I would sign up to be a media personality and interview people. I would interview folks that I wanted to be customers and say, hey, I would love to learn about your work and then look to sell them later after the interview. I learned the importance of learning to speak 
whether it's in, you know, to on one-on-one with a potential customer or on stage, because I had to interview people quickly and, and jump in front of random strangers in order to, to get quotes for different things. So it really allowed me to kind of break out of my shell. Like I wasn't shy, but I wasn't like jumping in front of people, you know, selling them stuff. So it really allowed me to be confident enough to speak to anyone, whether you are a Kevin Hart or, you know, just a business person, which allows you to sell your product or service quickly because you know, hey, you may only have five minutes to speak to that person to get what you need from them. So you need to make sure that whatever you say is impactful and that you get the result you're looking for very quickly. No, I love that. I think uh, that's a really good lesson for anyone to be able to do the, uh, whether it's called the, I don't know, the elevator or the lift, as I would say here in the UK, the test, right? You know, you've got 30 seconds with someone in the lift, what you're going to say to them, or you meet them at the airport in the lounge and you've got that sort of one second pitch. So did you always want to be an entrepreneur when you grew up? I didn't actually. It's funny because I I was listening to folks' stories over the years and they talked about selling, you know, like Mary Kay and Avon. I don't know if you know, like those types of selling. And I used to do that with my grandma. And I remember that she it was kind of like a part time job for her, but it was actually you being entrepreneurial. So I didn't know at that time that that was being an entrepreneur. I didn't really know what an entrepreneur was until like late high school when we had our first, I went to all Catholic girls high school. So oh, you and I both, we can share a story here. <laughs> yes. So their ex, you know, extra activity, curricular activity is, you know, religion and, <laughs> and sports and things of that nature, but nothing business and anything outside of the box. So for the first time ever in our senior year, we had a business class because even technology class was just you learning how to be, you know, a typist, right? Learning how to be admin in computer class. So we finally had a business class. They brought in this entrepreneur to teach us about, you know, investing and things of that nature, which was completely opposite of what they taught us over the previous four years. So I didn't think about entrepreneurship until that time. And then when I graduated, I, you know, was working with a company that I was working with previously that started part-time in high school. And then he was like, hey, you should do this full-time. I was helping him with like events and different things. And he was like, hey, you should start a business. And that's kind of how I learned. But I was doing those activities as a child, but I didn't know what the title was, right? I didn't know be selling, you know, lemonade is entrepreneurial. Talking about your business, so Stimulus, you know, your current SaaS company, it's about helping people make connection and build networks. So how did you come, you know, how did the idea come about? So yes, yeah, Stimulus came about um, years ago. So I was a corporate employee um, in payroll and vendor management. And then now I've been entrepreneur now full-time for 15 years. But I, I did a lot of work in connecting vendors to buyers and helping folks really understand what local businesses are around and helping corporations connect and helping small businesses and medium-sized businesses connect to corporations and I found over the years of working with big and small companies that it was a problem of just knowing what business opportunities are available. So if there was a corporation looking for a specific type of vendor, they had to do a Google search and, and vice versa. So when I first started Stimulus, we launched as kind of a customized Google search to help you and understand, hey, there's this RFP coming out or this contract coming out. 
and here, search for it this way. And then a company can search for a small, medium-sized businesses, you know, to really help with it. And you can search through location. You can search through if you're looking for a diverse company, the size of the company, all those different things. So when we first started, it was like, how do you simplify? Yes, you can go Google it and get a million things coming back. But how do you kind of streamline it into one place and make it a little bit easier to find the right companies at the right time? And then we pivoted in 2019 to expand from that because it was like, great, I can help you search for it. But the problem still was, how do I build a relationship with this particular buyer in order to even get into the door in order to get this contract. Less than 1% of corporate contracts go to women and even less of that to diverse companies. So it was like, okay, how do we go from a customized Google search to a full-fledged platform? So Stimulus is a relationship intelligent platform that uses data analytics to really help companies make better purchasing decisions and we call ourselves relationship intelligence because the problem always was how do I build a relationship with this company and how do they build a relationship with me? And it always came back to that. And then most platforms we found were so transactional, spin management, you know, all of those different things, but nothing had to do with that networking, that relationship building. It's just really simplifying all of the information into one place, but then also documenting how that relationship was built. When was the initial contact? What did it turn into? You know, you work with one company, they got a 50K contract. Now they're at a million dollar contract. How did that relationship progress? And what other things were you able to do with that company? For example, you know, prior to working with Salesforce, we were a Salesforce customer. And then we did a couple of speaking engagements with Salesforce. And then we got into the Accelerate program. And now we're, you know, doing other things with them in the future. So it's like showcasing how we went from this relationship to that relationship and really allowing companies to document that spend that goes alongside of it as well. That's really interesting because I think, uh, so I, I, you know, I'll, I'm going to show my age. Obviously, I'm, you know, 21, right? But um, right. <laughs> I used to be a, a buyer. I used to buy a component uh, when I used to work for a, a semiconductor company. That was always interesting, you know, the relationship with, as a buyer, you know, you don't know very much about you know, the people you're selling to. But what you described was actually the really human element of relationship, isn't it? In terms of, you know, two individuals getting together and coming to an agreement about buying something, whether it's a good, whether it's a service. So if you think back about that element of human sort of buying purchase, is this the whole idea of community and relying on other people and creating a network? Is this kind of helped you in your journey of an entrepreneur? You think back about, you know, 15 years ago when you sort of went from your, was it your grandmother's kitchen you were talking about, you know, selling products to actually sort of building your first company? Right. Yeah. I mean, I've learned the importance of relationships young. I just thought about even, you know, when my grandma was selling Avon and, and Mary Kay, the type of relationship she built with each of the other sellers and the company itself to becoming, you know, a top seller because of how she was building relationships with different folks that were associated and then I think about when I went from a corporate employee to an entrepreneur, I kept the relationship with that corporation and those employees, even after volunteering to get laid off and becoming a full-time entrepreneur that turned into them becoming our first corporate customer and us end up doing the same type of work that I would do as an employee, but now I can do it as a contractor, as a vendor. So I learned that 
keeping up with relationships and keeping up with those conversations and checking in on people is important. And what you mentioned about competition and before it was all, everything was transactional. You just like, I just need to know your pricing. I just need to know what you're selling to me. But now that's changed. The same thing, how it's changed with customers where you just want them to buy your product, right? You don't even care. Just buy my product. And now they're brand ambassadors for you. They're doing speaking engagements for you on behalf of your company. It's fantastic. And you brought the subject of brand earlier. And I know you care so much about brand and, you know, you have your own passion about brand and personality. And one of your motto is personal branding is as important as a company branding. So tell me more about this. I'm, I'm fascinated by this. Yeah, it took me a long time to learn that. Um, it's understanding that what we've seen over the years that business have created influencers, right? Tech businesses, especially tech startups, is not just being a celebrity because you're on TV and movies and music. You're now able to be a quote-unquote celebrity because you raised $5 million or you're building this great company. So they're the new influencer. And it's understanding and figuring out what your personal brand is inside and outside of your company. And depending on what your company goal is, whether it's selling or IPO or whatever, understanding that you want to create your personal brand to not only grow your company, but grow whatever it is you're trying to accomplish for yourself, right? So maybe at the end of it, you want to be an investor. Maybe at the end of it, you want to teach entrepreneurship, like just understanding and kind of planning for that and having your brand that's associated with your company and then having a brand that's not associated with your company. And it's just you as a person that is an entrepreneur, but you have these goals of, you know, sustainability or, or investing in more women or things of that nature. So one of my mentors just always said, make sure you know who you are with your business and without your business. And that can just turn into other things for you, you know, speaking opportunities. And then it also helps with, you know, as they say, multiple streams of income, right? So I speak on behalf of just being a woman in tech and person of color in tech and diversity and all of that. But then I speak on, you know, relationship intelligence and SaaS and cloud and things of that nature. So I have kind of two different things that I can focus on as I'm growing my brand. And then when I eventually become, you know, an investor and start investing in women and, and different folks, I want to make sure that, you know, I'm creating a company that can live without me. And if I decided to exit it, it can still grow to where I need it to grow. And then I can still grow. Like I don't lose my brand because my, I'm no longer associated with this one company. Can your personal brand and your corporate brand be different? It can be because if, I'm speaking on SaaS and cloud and things over here and supply chain with stimulus. But then personally, I can speak on that as well because that's what we're building and that's where my expertise is. But I also speak on diversity and I speak on women in tech and I speak on media, which has nothing to do with stimulus. You know what I mean? Because those are the things I do outside of stimulus that adds to my brand, adds to my happiness because you also can't have your personal brand as and happiness associated with your company, you want to be able to, you know, separate the two. And I learned that as well, because failure with your company doesn't mean you've personally failed, right? Or any failure or any mistakes or anything, any pivots, all those different things that make me up as a person and that I'm passionate about. No, I love this. And I think ultimately, I'm sure there's some core value, which are very similar. So how did you come about 
understanding what that brand is? How did you build it? You know, tell me day one, did you sit down in front of an empty piece of paper and say, right, this is what it looks like? Or was there any sort of tips and tricks you could share with us? Yeah. So one was, it was speaking to someone, a friend of mine who really focuses on brand and, and helping companies really post well on social media. And he kept asking me, what are you passionate about? What are you good at? What's your expertise? What do you want to do in addition to building this company? So I had to kind of think about that. And then it was, it was more of, Hey, showcase your journey, you know, post as much as you can, just walk people through it. Some people are really serious about it where they're giving like full on classes on, Hey, this is how you post and this is how you do things. I'm not that person, (laughs) but I am that person that will post and say, Hey, this went well or this did not go well to really showcase my entrepreneur journey or my speaking journey or my just journey as a person and growing and getting older and all of that. So the biggest thing he mentioned was just being honest about the good, the bad, the ugly of all of this, posting as regularly as you can, being authentic if you can, if you can't be, you know, hire someone to post on your behalf if you can't do it regularly. And creating a personal website. So I do have TiffanyStandard.com to make sure that I'm updating people on things that you may not always see on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter. Um, and just making sure that people people understand your brand and personally just by how often you talk about what you do and how often you're sharing and connecting with them. So I think for the advice I would give would be to just be regular when you're posting, create a personal website if you can, keep up with it as you can, or bring on, you know, an intern or a part-time social media strategist that helps you, you know, really map out like, okay, on Mondays, that's your motivation day. On Wednesdays, you're talking about your work. On Fridays, you focus on something personal, maybe family, maybe friends. So people are seeing a little bit of everything because as we see sometimes on social media, is more of the highlights than the lowlights. And you want to show both, right? You want to show the good and bad because it's not easy being an entrepreneur. It's not easy growing a company. It's not easy being a leader, speaker, traveler, whatever it is you're doing. People want to know, especially we see through COVID, that things are not always great. And you, you want to showcase that because it affects people's mental health if they only see good things and they're going to do bad things. So you want to really showcase both. No, I agree. I think... Uh... I was going to use the word, I think you need to be prepared to be a little bit vulnerable, isn't it? Right. You know, the ability to actually just, to your point, show the good, the bad and the ugly. Because, yeah, there is there is the social media filter and it's probably the reality behind it, isn't it? In terms of what actually is really happening. And we spoke to, you know, many entrepreneurs and, and they were very open about, you know, and you said something really interesting earlier, you know, a failure is not you. It's just what happened to the activity. And I think that's a really big learning. Right to not take things personally. And I'm still working on this one. I'm not very good at that one. Uh, and, uh... Me too. I am too. <laughs> Trust me. I don't think anybody is. Well, like when we pivoted in 2019, I was like, oh, I can't believe it. But then it turned out to be the best thing because we got our first set of customers and our, you know, different things and, and investors and all of that from that pivot. At first it felt like a failure, but it actually turned out to be the best thing for us. So you have to learn slowly but surely not to take everything to heart. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's uh, sometimes it's easier said than done, but I think it's certainly a, a really, really good lesson to do that. Um, so pivoting a little bit, you talked a little bit about Accelerate earlier. So just for the listeners, which are probably not familiar, you know, uh, there is a program called Accelerate, which uh, is a program run by Salesforce, where we help company from an idea to an app in a fairly short period of time. So you went on to that program, which was the the first cohort for 
Accelerate for Black Entrepreneur Startup. How was that experience as a Black woman? Yeah, it was a great program. I think it was a really great mix of connection, collaboration, and learning, and then really showcasing the importance of building strong relationships throughout your business. And then the cohort itself was just like a great mixture of like different industries, but we also kind of faced similar challenges as Black and Brown founders. And, you know, the ways that we were able to really help each other and learn from each other throughout the cohort was really important. And then really learning the powerful ecosystem that is Salesforce. Um, you think you know Salesforce until you hear all about Salesforce and you're learning about all the partners that they have to the different technologies that they've purchased. It's, it's such a huge ecosystem. So having that time to really dive deep into Salesforce was really important. And as a small company, to you know, be in a process of becoming a Salesforce partner and launching on the App Exchange is huge because you know sometimes it takes a long time to build that relationship. Right to be able to expand our relationship was really powerful for us and great to kind of showcase to our other partners and our customers and our investors, saying, "Hey, we're in a process of really expanding our relationship with Salesforce, and we got into this program, and they're going to be." The second app exchange, you know, marketplace that we're going to launch on um, in 21. So it was good. It was a really great program and just great to work with the team. And it was something that I spoke to my team about of like those type of experiences are, are priceless. I mean, the whole concept behind it is, I guess, is trying to make the right connection as we school back, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, I speak to and I help quite a few people going through the same process that you go through and. Ultimately, it's a relationship business, isn't it? You know, it, it's about, you know, connecting people. Sometimes, someday I'm a quarterback if I'm speaking to someone in the US or, in, you know, if I'm speaking to someone in Europe. We kind of relationship makers, you know, we're like matchmakers, you know, we sort of put people together and then we're trying to help them and hopefully they find a common ground and they kind of leverage some of their skills, which go back to your sort of, you know, that relationship and that sort of nurturing and that community element. And I think this program is... It's a good way of trying to sort of structure this approach so, you know, people can leave and at least with a bit of a, at least they've met more people, right? <laughs> and hopefully they've made really useful connection uh, going forward. So you once said that sort of black founders are overmantled and underfunded. I find it's really sad and intriguing at the same time. So how is it for you in terms of sort of getting some funding for your business? Yeah, so that statement is so true and it's been widespread all over the place because we thankfully have great investors and partners such as Google for Startups as an investor and Stimulus. Um, and we have from VCs to angel investors, but it took a, a long time to get to that point. And even now with great relationships that we have and customers and all of that, it's still the numbers for black and brown founders are still very low in their investment and even if they do get investment, a black and brown founder will get 50K to someone 250K. And if you are a startup, 50K can be gone in two weeks compared to 250K. So that over mentored is, hey, you can get into multiple programs that give you mentorship, but it doesn't always give you monetary resources. And there's never an issue to continuously learn as an entrepreneur because you need to, even if. You've been an entrepreneur for 15 years. You will learn something new every day, especially if you're growing a new team, a new product, a new service. And 
things change. So you're constantly learning. So it's never a problem to learn, but you have the issue where they would rather give you mentorship than money and you can't grow without money. I don't care how much you know, <laughs> like, you know, you can only spread out a dollar, but so much, and you can only move, but so fast with no money and no team or a small team. And if you are competing in a big market against, you know, legacy companies and you're trying to do something different, you really need that money to move fast, to hire the right executives, to have that peace of mind, to run your company and pay your team and pay yourself so you're not struggling. So we still have a long ways to go with that because, as I mentioned, someone may give you 50K to somebody's 250K and that's a big difference and you can't pay top executives for 50K. So we're trying to, you know, have more of those conversations. And as we've seen from 2020 to now with the civil investment, things of that nature, where folks are finally starting to double their spend with diverse suppliers, right? Their racial equity initiatives came out that, hey, we're going to invest in more black and brown businesses. We're going to hire and diversify our, you know, employees. They're starting to happen, but some have moved quicker than others and have actually deployed money. And some have not. Some are still thinking and talking and putting you, trying to put you into professional development things, initiatives versus, you know, giving out money. So, you know, we've been able to take advantage of the folks diversifying their supply chain and and vendors. So that's been great. But you definitely have to make sure that you are investing more money into our businesses for us to grow into the next Salesforce, for us to grow into building out this community and it's hard to do that with very little money. No, I would say I, I can't imagine. And, you know, I haven't had to go through that. But the situation you explained sounds like, a, unfortunately, a, a very familiar topic. And it's it's a real shame. But I'm hoping there's a collective conscious that there is sort of suddenly sort of realizing that the business that we deal with and we buy from needs to represent the community that we live in. And, uh, you know. We're pushing you, we're rallying you on. And did you have to sort of think differently? Did you have to be really creative to get that money just to sort of go over that hurdle of not being able to have access to as much capital as you would have liked? One thing I, I've always said is because we get so little funding, we have learned how to stretch resources and create partnerships and relationships that you end up not spending as much money as you would normally and your operations are a little bit lower because you've been able to kind of stretch it out. So it definitely has taught me over these years of how to build amazing relationships. It always goes back to relationships where I've been able to partner with teams and consultants and vendors that are looking to do the similar things where we may barter, we may utilize each other's resources. So I've had the opportunity to get into a lot of amazing accelerators and initiatives and programs that have helped kept our costs down low, operations costs down low, and other creative ways of, because I know how to partner and I know where people's contracts are, get pilots and, and partner with great companies on events and get sponsorship dollars for our company. Like I've been able to really be creative. Like I can negotiate almost anything at this point. I negotiated a three-year free lease um, of office space. So at this point, like I've learned how to be creative, but sometimes that gets tiring to be that creative. Creativity definitely helps you when you do get that million dollars, that million dollars can stretch you 
but it does get exhausting stretching each dollar. Oh, I can, I can only imagine, you know, it goes such a long way, but it doesn't go all the whole way, right? You know, right. You, at the end of the day, you know, efforts need to be rewarded. And I think regardless, the background, the ethnicity and everything else, you know, it's, uh, and it's a real shame. And I hope there's always hope, right? That's the positive note that the people there are starting. To, yeah, exactly. Starting to realize that actually there is such a wide opportunity to actually go and tap into. So, you know, we are definitely delighted at least a little bit to be able to help you out and sort of to be able to not only stretch those dollars, but trying to create those relationships. And I, and I do hope also that actually, you know, creating those really meaningful relationships actually will carry you and, you know, and further down the line, I think, yeah. I'll be sort of repaid a, a tenfold. Just uh, what would be that one piece of advice you would give to aspiring entrepreneurs, you know, listening to us today? As we talked about throughout the show, relationships are important. Understand not only who you need to grow your business, but who you need to grow you personally. Make sure you have those people as well. And then make sure as you're building the relationship is not one-sided. Great relationships are two-sided, right? As they say, two-sided marketplaces. <laughs> like, um, it's important to offer as much as you give because that relationship will grow accordingly. So focus on that and kind of map out who you're trying to be in technology and plan you know, for that. And then I would say understanding the importance of self-awareness because self-awareness allows you to be vulnerable, as we spoke about earlier, because what I found from being an entrepreneur for this amount of time, when you're you're spending so much time faking it like you're okay, you don't know how to ask for help because you're spending so much time, you know, saying, I'm great, things are great. And then when you need to ask for help, someone's saying back to you, well, I thought you were great. <laughs> so showcasing that vulnerability is really important. So when you need to go and say, hey, I need 20 introductions, you can ask for it. Or I need help with hiring, you can ask for it. Be as vulnerable as possible. And as we're seeing more and more now, people are really showing more of their journey on social media, their true journey, not the highlights, but hey, someone, I had to fire someone or hey, it's hard fundraising because that allows for people to know that you need help and reach out to you to give you that help. So Self-awareness gives you that opportunity to be aware that not everything is going to be perfect and it's okay. And pivoting or, or quote unquote failing is not always a failure. Yeah, I think it's being authentic, I think, and vulnerable. I think, as we mentioned before, and I think one one tip I would say listening to you is I need you to negotiate my next contract because if you're able to do three <laughs> years of free lease, you're definitely the woman on our side that we need for. <laughs> I can, I can. Absolutely. I'll make you up on that in the context of, you know, meaningful relationships. <laughs> Tiffany, thank you so much for chatting with us today. If you enjoyed today's episode and check out season one and two on all your usual places where you get your podcast from, I will be back soon for another episode of Trailblazing Entrepreneurs. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.